see how good PhDs are with technology. I told you uh, when we first, Amanda and I were interviewed here, what PhD stands for, right? Anybody remember? Permanent head damage. <laughs> so we, uh, really, I, I want to say that education is important. It's vital, isn't it? But do we put our trust in degrees or anything like that? We don't. We look to the Lord Jesus. And so I want to say that afresh, that we are not putting our confidence in any person, any degree, any program, any elder board, fill in the blank. We are here to put our confidence in the Lord Jesus, the Lord of the church, and he will build his church. On that note, uh, today we're going to talk about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But before then, I want us to uh, talk about the email that some of you received or the MailChimp that went out via text about an upcoming time of prayer and fasting that our church is going to enter into. And I'm just curious, how many of you received the information on next Wednesday? All right, well, we are going to, for a week, join together in a time of prayer and fasting. And next Wednesday, August 1st, we're going to begin with feasting. So we're going to come together, share a meal, have some uh, good food, hang out for an hour, be together, enjoy each other, and then we're going to let it rip and tear into prayer and worship for an hour. Um, we'll end in an hour, but who knows what may happen, so be prepared. Um, but really, it will be from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in the fellowship hall, and if I guess we had too many people, we may come into here, so we'll see. I encourage you to come. I just want to share a few things about this. Some people might say, well, is this kind of a reaction to what's happened? I'm going to say it's action. It's not reaction. It's not reactionary. We've actually been talking about this for some time. And we as a church have an opportunity to join together in unified action and unified love and take on the easy yoke of fasting. I don't know about you, but if I hear the word fasting, immediately I'm like, Wah, wah. Um, it need not be that way, really. It, it is an easy yoke. It's an invitation to love, right? When you're in love, man, I mean, you give up food, you give up sleep, various things. So what we're doing together is coming together as a church and saying we love the Lord so much that we're willing to forego some things so that we can seek Jesus together, seek his direction, his vision and I want us to be creative. Fasting does not mean simply abstaining from food. As a matter of fact, some of us should not fast from food for health reasons, various, various things. So I'm going to urge you to be creative, what that might look like. Hate to step on some toes here, but maybe chocolate for a week. Maybe technology. Maybe you're addicted to a particular game or an app. Um, a particular TV show, whatever it is, get creative. Some of us may give up food or wine, something like that. Just, again, be creative. This is an easy thing to take on. It's a joyful thing. And if we lose sight of that and really make it about fasting and spiritual practice and all of this, it is about Jesus, isn't it? So, um, and just to let you know, probably what I'll do, I may skip a meal a day for a week. I am not doing a full-blown seven-day fast. I just can't right now. Physically and some of the things going on, I am not going to fast for seven days. All right, And there may be a day that I may do a meal or two, and the next day 
I, I don't have it in me. And the grace of God is there. So, again, this is to unify us, to seek God, to pray. Um, I, I've been getting texts and emails from people, and I got one from Daniel Castle this, this week. We were having a conversation, and he sent, he actually said something to me, and I said, that is so good. Will you please send it to me, and I'm going to read it to the church. So I have Daniel's permission here. He sent me this text, and he called it the great overstep. He says, the enemy may have won one round. He thinks it is a victory for him. But along with that, he ticked off a bunch of really strong people. He woke up a sleeping army. Like every other action the enemy takes, it all works to his frustration. It all works to the glory of God. It all works for our good. How very sad for him. So I think that really encapsulates the, even the spirit behind our prayer and our fasting. Life is warfare. Life together as a community is battle. And so we are an army that's being awakened. And we're coming out slugging. And we are coming out in pursuit of Jesus, trusting him. Amen? Something else, too, Connie and I are putting together a daily prayer guide, which we will hand out on Wednesday, right? I'm looking to her to make sure that is correct. And in that, there will be um, daily verses for us to pray together, daily exercises, a bit of instruction on prayer and fasting. All right? So, this morning, I want us to take a few minutes to talk about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we're in an ongoing series on prayer. Yes, newsflash, that is what we're doing. Uh, we're in a series that will extend for some weeks in the coming days. And we are, as a community, seeking God with fresh intensity. Um, we have a robust plan that's developing to ponder prayer together in the coming weeks and other spiritual practices that ground us in the knowledge of God through the scriptures and the Lord speaking to our leadership team along this line. We've been talking about how prayer undergirds everything that we do and everything we are. Isn't that right? And so what I want us to do is to reflect together a little bit this morning on the heartbeat and the lifeblood of prayer. And that is fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. So we ask, Lord, as we look into the word of God. We ask you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to continue to be with us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to brood over us. Thank you that you are the spirit of truth, that you guide us into all truth. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you glorify Jesus, that when we call out to you, you glorify and honor his name. And we ask you to do that this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And some of us right off the bat are saying, what is fellowship with the Holy Spirit? So I want us to reflect on really what that looks like. If you want to look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is a verse that's come up in recent weeks and months. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. We've got Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 at the very end of this 
letter of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's interesting, the word here for fellowship, some of you may be familiar with this word, and it's a Greek word, koinonia, and it's used 19 times in the New Testament. And it means communion, fellowship, participation, communication, many things like this. Um, there's a New Testament scholar named Gordon Fee. Love this guy's work. He's a word and spirit guy. And he says in an essay on being a Trinitarian Christian, listen to what Gordon Fee says, what most characterizes the Holy Spirit is koinonia, a word that primarily means participation in or fellowship with. This is how the living God not only brings us into an intimate and abiding relationship with himself, as the God of all grace, but also causes us to participate in all the benefits of that grace, indwelling us with his presence. So really the essence of what's being said there is that where the Holy, Sh Holy Spirit is, there is fellowship, there is koinonia. And if you look at the scriptures, we see here there's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation to experience partnership, communion, friendship, with the person of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures also speak, you can look at this later, but 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that we are invited into fellowship, koinonia, with the Son, the Lord Jesus. We also see in Acts 2, a, a popular verse around here, Acts 2.42, Luke writes that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to koinonia, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Now, some people might wonder, well, in this passage here, is he talking about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Or is it fellowship directly with the person of the Holy Spirit? It's two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Wherever the Holy Spirit is, that brings fellowship with God, and it brings fellowship among the people of God. Something else I want to clear up here, if we're having fellowship, friendship, intimate conversation and communion with the Holy Spirit, that suggests that the Holy Spirit is a person. Sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit is a gas or a cloud or, as one theologian says, the Cinderella of the Holy Trinity. The one who does all the work, who's overlooked, never acknowledged. If we are truly Trinitarian people, like the New Testament teaches, like the church has lived for 2,000 years, we are people of the Holy Spirit. And we want fellowship with the third person of the Holy Trinity, who is not a gas or a cloud or kind of an unnamed object. But this is God we're talking about. God, the Holy Spirit. Something else related to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This is the basis of our life in Christ. Right? If we're approaching this properly, and I get questions like this all the time, you know, too much attention on the Holy Spirit can be dangerous, can't it? Is that true? In my reading of the New Testament, 
It is the Spirit's role to bring us to Jesus. We're going to see this shortly. It's the Spirit of truth. It's the Spirit who Jesus says in John 14 and 16, who glorifies the Lord Jesus. So I want to pull the rug out from under that. I don't agree with that. I think theologically it's off. I think if you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you walk with the Holy Spirit, you talk with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know God more. You're going to know the word of God more. You're going to walk in truth. You're going to love the Lord Jesus more because it's his job to reveal and magnify the Lord Jesus. So, first, what is fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Secondly, I want us to talk briefly about how in the world can we grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. God forbid that we should talk about something practical, right? So I want us to look very specifically here at practical ways that we can grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The good book here is a very practical book, isn't it? Sometimes people think, ah, you're into theology. Theology is always practical. Scripture is always practical. Yes, it is deep. The mystery of God is amazing and fathomless, but there is always something to apply. When we leave here, there's something to do, right? So the first thing in how we can fellowship, how we can grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit is this. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. Just ponder that for a moment. Actually, I want you to take your right hand and put it over your heart right here. The Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, dwells right here. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, lives inside of you, doesn't get any closer than that. You don't have to go on a lifelong quest, go to India, go sit under a tree, meditate. The Holy Spirit is right here, closer than your own blood. The Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us, indwells each of us. And we'll get into this in more detail shortly. Jesus says in John 14, 17, you can Look at this again, write it down. These are verses to to pray over and ponder over the next week or so. Jesus says in John 14, 17, the Holy Spirit abides with you and is in you. So the Lord does not leave us alone. You don't have to search out here somewhere. The, The Lord comes to us. So we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Apostle Paul says this as well, doesn't he? 1 Corinthians 6.19, listen to what Paul says. I'm going to read it. You can write it down and look at it. Paul says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are not your own. Glorify God in your body. So again, this whole thing, Brad's singing about the simple gospel. The simple gospel is that God became man in Jesus. He lived an amazing life. He was crucified. He was resurrected. He poured out the Holy Spirit who resides in us. And now we get to go and represent Jesus in the world. And the Holy Spirit is in us. So individually, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And by nature of that, he makes you holy. Some of you are saying, do you know my past? And I'm saying, yeah, I got one too. Holy Spirit lives inside of me, lives inside of you. And then collectively, when we come together As a church, we are the living temple of God, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So, how can we grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit? 
We acknowledge that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Secondly, we seek the Spirit in and through Scripture. Again, you can look at these later, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Spirit inspires Scripture. The Spirit gives us Scripture, it literally means God breathes. God the Holy Spirit breathes into these words and inspire the authors. And the writings themselves carry the power, the presence, the authority of God. God the Holy Spirit. We saw this a few weeks back. That not only is the Spirit-inspired Word of God there for us, but the sword of the Spirit. Think about that for a moment. This slipped by me for many years. Ephesians 6.17 says that we're, as Christians, to take up the sword of the Spirit. The sword belongs to who? Amen. Thank you, Rock. God, the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. That could have been the sword of the Lord Jesus. No, the Apostle Paul says, take up the sword of the Spirit. So again, we're fellowshipping with the one who inspired the writings and who gives us a weapon to wield. It is the sword of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but if it's his sword, I want to know directly how to interact with that person. We can talk about this later, but this is a life passion of mine to call people into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not a book. That doesn't keep you interested very long, doesn't keep you saved for very long, doesn't keep you out of trouble very long. Hey, come and have a relationship with a book. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about come and interact with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit through the scripture that he's given to us. Totally different model, different paradigm of of living life with God. The book all of a sudden becomes this way to interact with God, to have God who indwells you, speak to you, to lead you, to guide you. So seek the Spirit in and through Scripture. One other thing to help us grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Wait for it. It's really profound. Prayer. Right? But there's something different about prayer in the context of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? You can look at these passages later, but there's something about praying, fellowshipping with the person of the Holy Spirit, talking with the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. I need your presence. I need your power. Again, theologically, some people might say, ah, I'm not sure that I can go there with you. Jesus did. You can look at Luke 4 later on. You can read that whole chapter. We don't have time, but I'm inviting you to look at the whole chapter. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he came back to his hometown in the power of the Holy Spirit. He had a relationship with the Spirit of the Lord, didn't he? So if you're led by someone... That means you're listening to someone. Am I right? I don't know how you can be led or guided without listening to 
someone. So I think we have Jesus modeling there that he had a relationship, a fellowship, a dependence on the person of the Holy Spirit. Other texts actually said Jesus did not perform healing in a particular place because the spirit of healing, the spirit of the Lord wasn't there doing that. So there was some kind of vital interaction and interdependence because Jesus was fully God and fully man. He fellowshiped with the Holy Spirit. You can look at this again later. We're not going to go into it, but in Acts 13, 1 to 4, and Acts 15, 28, the early church listened to the Holy Spirit. So we've got Jesus listening to, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We've got the early church listening to the Holy Spirit. And essentially what's happening in Acts 15 is the church has its first gathering, its first council, and they are seeking the mind of God together about a difficult issue, dealing with the Gentiles coming into the church. They're having some debate and argument. And they seek the mind of the Lord, and they say in their writing, their consensus at the end is, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we give you these directions. The early church was led at every turn and had fellowship with, was led by and communed with and listened to the person of the Holy Spirit, right? So I don't know about you, but I'm convinced, even just in kind of a cursory reading there, Jesus, the early church. And then how about the Apostle Paul's teaching? Again, you can go back and, and look at this, but the whole chapter, Romans 8, Romans 8, 14, says that we are led by the Holy Spirit as children of God. Galatians 5, 16 and 18 says all Christians are walking by the Holy Spirit. They're led by the Holy Spirit. So I hope you're increasingly convinced that we are to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We can grow in this in very practical ways. Now I want to just end with briefly talking about what happens when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Right? We've already kind of suggested a few of these things, but the first is that we connect deeply with God. Right, and I want you to look with me at the Gospel of John, John chapter 14 at verse 15. And let's listen to the words of Jesus himself as he talks about one of the things that happens as we fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. These are beautiful words. I've been pondering these this week with all that's been going on. And I've been crying out to the Lord, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit with these very words here. Hey, Rock, I appreciate your zeal, buddy. It's good stuff, man. You're keeping, keeping it real, keeping it going. It's good stuff. So John 14, 15. Jesus is teaching the disciples, and he's talking a great deal about the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says, and I'm going to look at 14, 15, then I'm going to skip down to 25, then we're going to hang a right and look at a... John 16. So here he is at 14 to 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Then look down at 1425. Jesus says, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name. What does the Spirit do? Teaches you everything. And reminds you of all that I have said to you. So really, really insightful, powerful words about how the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of truth, abides with us, is in us, teaches us everything, reminds the disciples then and the disciples now of all that Jesus has taught, all that he's done, all that he said. Now look at uh, John 16, 12 here. Again, deep connection with God through the person of the Holy Spirit from the mouth of Jesus himself. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Look at this, verse 14. The spirit will glorify me because he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I say that the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. So by fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we have deep connection to God. A second thing that happens when we fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. This is good, as if the previous one isn't. But we overcome temptation and sin. I'm going to share a little secret with you. All right? It's found in Galatians 5.16. Look at Galatians 5.16. Paul shares what I think is one of the most helpful things about overcoming temptation and sin that I find in the entire New Testament. Galatians 5.16. General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I don't know about some of you, but I think through those things that I learned 30 years ago. How do I find Galatians? after John and Romans. Some of you say, well, that's offensive. Why are you saying that? Because we have new believers among us. That's why. And we want them to feel comfortable using their Bibles. And so I hope one day that this place is packed with so many new believers that we have to say, okay, look at the table of contents here. This is where you find Philemon. This is, that is a good thing, right? It's not me looking down on anyone. It's not assuming that any of us know how to use this this sword here, right? And so in the coming days, I'm letting you know we will be doing that, right? Because we want a packed house full of new Christians who are learning to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, Paul says this, walk by the Holy Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So, fellowshipping, walking with the one who indwells you, who speaks to you, who gives you power, that is the way that you overcome sin in your life. You overcome temptation itself. You get rid of the addictions that have been haunting you. 
the unhealthy patterns of thought, the unforgiveness in our hearts. How? The Apostle Paul says right here, walk by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are saying, what does that mean? Learn what it means. (laughs) Read the New Testament. Search out what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. Rishi, you walk with Stephanie, right, in life. That means you share life together. You talk. You listen to one another. Your, your minds meet. You, you hang out. The same thing. Walk with the Holy Spirit in partnership. Listening, talking, searching out the words that the Holy Spirit has given us. And Paul says it right there. It's a promise, isn't it? If you do that, in fact, if you fellowship and walk with and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. One of uh, my favorite early theologians here from the 4th century, a guy named Basil, he was from modern-day Turkey. Listen to what he says about walking with the Holy Spirit. Beautiful words here. He actually devoted much of his life, decades, to studying the Scriptures and writing about the third person of the Holy Trinity. And he has this treatise called On the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says here. It's just beautiful. Shining upon those that are cleansed from every spot, the Holy Spirit makes them spiritual by fellowship with himself. Shining upon those that are cleansed from every spot, the Holy Spirit makes them spiritual by fellowship with himself. So it is the Spirit who shines on us, who cleanses us, and makes us spiritual. What do you think he means by that? Becoming spiritual makes them spiritual. I think he means, from the context of what he says, we become like the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are born in our lives, and we've seen when you're like the Holy Spirit, who else are you like? Jesus and the Father. So through fellowship with the Spirit, we overcome temptation and sin. Thirdly, very quickly here, another effect of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit is we are transformed completely. Our minds, our hearts, even our bodies are affected by this. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.17 here. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Sure seems like the New Testament is pretty uh, focused on this, right? Being Trinitarian people, paying attention to the person of the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says in this stunning passage here, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, he speaks about being transformed, growing in Christ's likeness. Listen to what he says. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So a really high view here of who the Holy Spirit is, right? The Spirit is the one who brings freedom. The Spirit is the one who removes the veil from our faces. The Spirit is the one who helps us look upon the glory of God. And as we do that, day by day, day in, day out, opening scripture, contemplating who God is, crying out to God, Lord, show me your face. I want to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You give yourself to that week after week, month after month. You become transformed into his image. 
This is his idea, his project. And it's beautiful and it's grace-infused. The context of that whole conversation, some of you know, Moses used to go and directly interact with the glory of God, didn't he? So you can read this in the book of Exodus. Moses would go, he would hang out in this thing called the tent of meeting, and the glory of God would come and interact with him. And the story says that Moses interacted with God face-to-face like a friend. Paul is saying here that you and I have the invitation to have something even more stunning than Moses, the greatest prophet in Hebrew history. We are new covenant people. You and I are invited to come and look upon the glory of God. Where is the glory of God? Inside of us, in the church, in Scripture. We're invited to contemplate the glory of God and to be transformed into the image of Jesus This is great news. This is another aspect of what Brad was singing about, the simple gospel. I'll tell you from this passage right here, you become what you contemplate. I don't like saying that, frankly, because it comes right back like a boomerang and hits me in the forehead. Brock, you become what you contemplate, what you think about, what you obsess over. What you're addicted to up here is what you become. So that doesn't have to be a rebuke. It can be an invitation. Start contemplating some other things. Take these verses we're looking at here in desperation, in joy, and say, Lord, I want to contemplate something else. I've had enough of this garbage dump. I'm ready to contemplate something clean and pure and transformative, and I'm ready to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and who will change me into the beautiful and glorious image of Jesus. So we become what we think about. We become what we contemplate. Lastly here, another effect, and we'll end with this. When we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered for ministry. Look at 2 Timothy 1.14 here. We'll do this quickly. 2 Timothy 1.14. We've seen Jesus. We've seen the early church. We've seen the Apostle Paul. All have very high view of the Holy Spirit and interacting with the person of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.14. Paul says, guard the good treasure entrusted to you. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. So we are given this treasure, and he's talking about the gospel, the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, the love of God, who Jesus is, what he brings to us. So we guard the good treasure of all of that and we guard the good treasure that God actually lives inside of us with the help of the Holy Spirit. So part of our ministry is sharing the gospel, the good news with other people and the Holy Spirit helps us do that, right? Look at this one. We'll end with this here. John chapter 20 at verse 21. We're empowered for ministry as we fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. I hope that this is giving you some some fuel, some desire, even as you move in next week to a time of prayer and fasting. I urge you to take some of these passages, especially the ones that we weren't able to look at, to meditate on this. I'm inviting you into 
a fresh discovery, a rediscovery of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And listen to what Jesus says in John 20. This is the resurrected Jesus who has scared the pants off of his disciples. He keeps showing up and startling them and walking through walls and these kinds of things happening. And they didn't expect it. Even though he told them it was coming, the resurrected Jesus appears to them. And look at John 20, 21. He says, Jesus said to his disciples again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then look the following verse. When he had said this, he breathes on them and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So what I would like for us to do as we, we close here, mass a band to go ahead and make your way up. But I want us to do something, and this may be difficult if you're sitting away from people. You may have to slide in for a minute. I want you to turn to the person on your right. And I want you to say, some of you may have to use a megaphone, hey, Ronnie. I want you to turn to the person on your right, and I want you to say two things, all right? I want you to say, peace be with you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So just, just now, turn to the person on your right. Peace be with you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to turn to the person on your left. This may be doubling up. I can't get, it's not rocket science, I know, but I do get confused. Turn to the person on your left now. Say, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we do. We turn to you. We've got some time here to worship. And we ask that you would say those words to us right now. We look to you, Jesus. We, I, I lift my heart, my mind, my hands to you. And I ask for you to speak those words into me. Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And I ask you for every person in here that you would speak that into the depths of their being right now. Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, even beginning next week, that you would teach us new things. Beginning tomorrow morning about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And I say, come Holy Spirit, teach us, Spirit of truth, Spirit of God, guide us, help us walk with you, glorify Jesus in us, in our lives. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Amen.